I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this is Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the life that happens between it. One day a week, the taco truck comes to our school's parking lot and the teachers go and buy tacos and it's kind of great. So the, the taco truck comes by. The taco truck does come by. I think that a taco truck on every corner would be the best thing in the world, but... You and me and some other folks we know yeah, would find that to be a good idea. The other day... Very convenient. Yes. And the other day when uh, I ended up getting stuck here at the house with the boy, and I think we talked about this before, that I had meant to take him out for sushi, but then he had ended up messing himself, and this started the whole weeks and weeks of making sushi an issue and Thursdays were an issue. And, and I posted to Facebook and said something like I had meant to go out for sushi, but the I'm stuck doing stuff at home. And so I haven't even had dinner yet at like nine o'clock at night. And one of your friends commented and said, bummer, there's not a taco truck on your corner. <laughs> right. There is a taco truck, but my school, our schedule is such that I, as the music teacher, don't get a lunch during lunchtime. Yeah, you get a lunch like right after you get there some ridiculous time of day. I have a lunch close to 10 a.m. And the rest of my schedule before that and after that is giving the homeroom teachers their breaks and their lunches while their students come to me for music classes. Mm -hmm. And so I don't get to leave my classroom and stand out at the taco truck and wait in line and get my tacos. Right. I don't have time for that. It's the wrong time of day. It is. By the time the truck gets there, it doesn't get there at 10. It doesn't get there at 10. It doesn't get there until 11. And by 11, I'm teaching and I have five minutes here and five minutes there. But five minutes at the taco truck that comes to us is not enough time to wait in the line and then wait for your food to get made and then eat it. Right. It doesn't work like that there. So I have made a habit of giving money to my colleagues and saying, are you going to the taco truck today? Will you please get me my lunch? And they'll say, sure, what do you want? And I'm already prepared. I have a little sticky note on my $10 bill that I hand them. And it says one with asada and one with chicken and one with, you know, what do I want on my food? Mm -hmm. And it's got the little sticky note. And I stick the little sticky note to the dollar and they say, oh, that's smart. And every single one of them says that. That's smart. It's not a dollar. Said, it's a 10, but the, yeah. the paper money. Okay. The paper currency has a sticky note attached. Okay. <laughs> and the men say, you're smart. And the women say, you're smart. And I say, I'm experienced. <laughs> I want my food. <laughs> right? So I noticed a pattern a week or so ago after having had five or six different people getting my tacos for me. Each week. Each week. From the taco truck. From the taco truck while I was busy teaching. And the thing I have noticed is that when I send women with a $10 bill for four buck fifty tacos, I get $4 back. When I send men with a $10 bill for four buck fifty tacos, I get $5 back. I can see which one is the better deal. So can I. For you. But I don't know if everyone would recognize that as a gendered thing or if they would just think, oh, some people are, I don't know, it's easier, they just, whatever. I'm assuming that what the guys are doing is using the 10 to buy mine and theirs and then giving me back the five that had already been in their pocket. Which makes a lot of sense to me, but 
then there is that question of why is there this gender difference in, you know, getting the right change from the women or the extra change from the guys? I, I'm completely content with my correct change $4 back. Yes. Four tacos at a buck fifty each should be $6. And if I give you a 10, then I should get four back. No problem. I, I don't mind getting an extra dollar back from the men. But I mentioned this to you the other day and you were like, well, I don't know. Maybe it's an income inequality kind of thing. Men have extra money, so they just share it. Or they find it more convenient to not bother getting your change. Whereas women who make less money generally have to concern themselves with it more as a matter of rote. Right. Even though at your job, there should be more equal pay between the genders. We are a unionized workforce. And so our pay scale is not related to our job performance. It is related to our level of educational attainment and our number of years working for the district. But there is a culture of men having more money than women. Yes, there is. And spending more of it on things like lunch or eating out or stuff yes. such. That is true. Mm -hmm. That is very true. And I found it interesting because when you said that, I'm thinking all of the men who I have given money to to go get my tacos, with the exception of one who I don't know, the other three all have less years into the system than I do. I mm -hmm. have been teaching for over a decade. And with this district, this is my 10th year. And so most of these people have been teaching for somewhere between three and six years. That means that technically, I probably make more than they do unless they have lots of degrees that I don't know about. That, that could be a possibility. It could be the culture of men having disposable income. Yes, women generally have more responsibilities, more demands on their finances for the sake of professionalism. Men don't have to buy tampons to keep their clothes clean. Men don't have to buy makeup to put on their faces to look professional at work. Men don't have to buy so many things. Men only have to buy undergarments for the under half. They don't have to, probably. <laughs> they probably don't know you are correct. Yeah, so you know. Even when I make more, I still have less. Yeah, I, I didn't think of that part, but that part is true. But hmm. soon I'll be making more, I hope. That would be good. It would be good. Mm -hmm. Because I'm very close to finishing my degree. Right. My master's degree in math, because I am that kind of smart. Yes. There are a whole lot of other ways in which I am not that kind of smart. Well, maybe that, that kind of rememberer. <laughs> the remember all is broken and... Or you forgot where you put it or something. Yeah. I need to figure out how to find a pensive, keep all those thoughts and memories. And just every time I put something somewhere, I'll immediately put the memory of where I put it into the pensive. Right. <laughs> it still could be pretty time consuming. It could. When I mentioned to other folks that you're getting your math degree, you know, your master's in math, I fairly expect them to be surprised, whether they're men or women. Yeah, typically STEM fields are considered to be male fields, but most of the math teachers I know are women. I think most of the math teachers I had in school were women. Prior to the home economics movement, a fair number of math programs in universities had a good gender balance. The original computers were women doing maths for male theorists and male astronomers and male explorers. and Because if there's a tedious job, the women end up with it. Right? <laughs> yes. But yes, women 
have good math brains. Yes, I do. So that's how we got into outer space. It is. Mm -hmm. It is. Have you seen the picture of the one woman standing next to the printout of the computer code that she had written that takes up books stacked as tall as she is? I, I might have, but I've mostly heard the different history stories mm -hmm. through, you know, NPR type podcasts. So. Right. So I'm very close to the end of this degree program. I've been doing this for a year and two months, a year and three months at this point. And I am one class and a thesis project away from finishing. Yay. And I am now four-fifths of the way done with this class. And for over two weeks, I was one-fifths and the third-fifth and the fourth-fifth away. But I couldn't get the second-fifth done. Yes, this has been a project that's involved lots of frustration on your part. And this is my last piece of actual coursework before the thesis is the last thing. And I've already started the thesis, but like, there's one more academic class to finish. And I'm thinking, yay, I'm almost done. And I submit my first paper. Right. Because right now you have a little break. I do. And so you thought, oh, I'm going to catch up on my papers. Mm -hmm. And you did a paper. Mm -hmm. And you did a paper. Mm -hmm. And I did like three papers in about a week because I took a couple of days off after my students first set of concerts to recoup. And most of that recouping was sitting at a computer. And so I got like three papers done in the matter of a week mm -hmm. and I submitted the first one and it came back graded. I passed and I submitted the second one and I submitted the third one. Now there's a process here because you submit a paper and then you give me re updated reports. My paper is number 239 in line. Yes, because it's an online degree program, and so they have an online paper submission system. And yes, I am in the kind of math where you don't do problems. You write papers about the problems. Right, and then you give me the updates. And so you submit the paper to a plagiarism check program, and the plagiarism check program forwards it to the university paper graders the people whose job it is to assess work. Take a paper out of the virtual pile and start grading it. Yes, and what the virtual pile does is it's like a queue of papers waiting in line. And so, yes, I will often submit a paper and say, my paper is number 83 in line to be graded. My paper is number 46 in line to be graded. The oh. one I submitted last night was number 13. When I submitted it, I was very happy about that. Right, and sometimes you'll... Say, it's been three hours, and it's now it's only number 83 out of 87 before. And, and because of my math brain, I'll think, okay, and in three hours, it's gone 30 spots, so I can expect it to go approximately 10 more spots every hour. And <laughs> no, no wonder you're <laughs> obsessed with these updates. I am. I, I, didn't, I didn't think about how much math might be going on inside of your head of estimating when that might come around to being graded. Right? That's exactly what I'm doing in my head. And I'm thinking, okay, if that it has seems... taken this long to get this many done, and yes, it seems like a lot of extra work to it, you, it seems but those tiring. things don't take much extra work in my brain. They do if you do it over and over and over and over. You can't stop yourself, I know. No, I can't. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, think of something that you could do over and over and over and over that is technically work and that some people might find draining or difficult or repetitive, but you're just like, yeah, it's a thing. Right. It's not tiring. It's not draining. It's just something 
that just sort of clicks together in my head and say this number and that number and oh, here's the expectation. And then you look at the phone to see if you're right. (laughs) (laughs) I do. Okay. But so I submitted the first paper the other day and it was number 286. Wow. And that was a really long line of papers because that's longer than it usually is. Yeah. And I came to bed and I told you, my paper is number 280 and it had never been over like 100 before. Right. And you were already in bed and you rolled over, you sort of half woke up when I came to bed and I said, my paper is number 280 and you sort of laughed and rolled over and went back to bed. Yes, because I expect the what number in line is my paper report. <laughs> as long as there's a paper, when you have a paper in the queue, there's going to be a report on where your paper is. There is. In the queue. And so the paper comes back and it says there's an error and I need to fix it. And so I fix the first paper and I send it back and they approve it and it's graded and I pass. And I'm thinking, okay, I got a handle on this. Let me skim my second and third papers that I've looked at and make sure that I didn't make any of the same mistakes from the first paper and these other two that I've already got mostly written. And I'll turn those ones in as well. Right. And I did. And I submitted number two. And within five minutes after that, I submitted number three. And number two was at 308 when I submitted it. Holy cow. (laughs) And number three paper was at 260 something. And I'm thinking, does that mean that my third paper will get graded before my second paper? I don't think that's a problem. This course not only that, but that seems weird. Yeah, like they're in two different queues. I guess they are in two different queues for two different graders because they are two different types of paper. And in order to, I'm vaguely familiar with the process of becoming a university grader for online programs because I looked at a possibility of doing it when um, number two child was getting super crazy last year, and we had to hire a after school sitter. And we were looking at what other things I could do that would not take me out of the house and I would be here when he got home. That was one of the things I looked at. And so what they do is they know exactly what things are expected. And they basically go down a checklist of did you get this thing? Did you get that thing? Did you get that thing? But they have to be super familiar with each individual assignment. And so you know, my paper is number 288 for this pool of graders. And it's number 304 for that pool of graders. Right. So they're completely different cues, like you said. But then the second paper wasn't and then doing what you thought it would. Number two, I get a little notice on my phone that says your paper has entered evaluation, which sounds funny. Mm-hmm. And then I get a notice on my phone, your paper number three has entered evaluation about a half hour later. And I'm thinking that went faster than I thought it would. And then I get a notice, your paper number three has passed. Awesome. And I'm still waiting like hours and hours later for paper number two to finish evaluation. And I commented to you, it's been a really long time. I wonder what's taking them so long to grade my paper. And this has been something that we've experienced before where I got the right answer, but I didn't get it the way that they expected me to get it. And so they had to like check, was it okay? And sometimes it was, and sometimes it wasn't. Mm -hmm. So when I said, you know, it's been like four hours waiting for my paper. That was already being evaluated. That was already being evaluated. And it usually takes somewhere between a half hour and two hours to get a paper graded once it enters evaluation. Mm -hmm. And we got up the next day and it still wasn't graded. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, it would be just my luck that someone would be grading my paper and have a heart attack and the paper would never get graded. (laughs) Your math gave them a heart attack. (laughs) And Uh it would never get graded and it would be on their computer forever. I think these are the disaster things that graduate students come up with because I would have never came up with that one. I would have thought they forgot what they were doing and didn't go back to it. 
Because I'm a parent, and that's what happens. <laughs> it's true. I wait another day, and I'm thinking, you know, people are usually not in the office. This is on a weekend. And I'm thinking people are usually not in the office until Monday. And so on Monday, if it's still not graded, I will check, you know, I'll send some emails and figure out what's going on. Right. And I was thinking, just send it now. And they'll because read it. Because that's when how they, emails are. Get it in the email queue. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, I I wasn't sure if that was how it would work or what. And so I just waited until Monday and come Monday, I didn't have to send an email because I get another notice on my phone 48 hours after I had originally sent my paper or approximately 48 hours after I get a little click on my phone that says, oh, your paper has entered evaluation. And I'm thinking, oh, good. They have a fail safe. If somebody doesn't come through with a grade after after 48 hours, then it just goes to somebody else. That's good. I get an email less than a half hour later and an evaluation notice that my paper has been sent back for revisions. Okay. And the email I get says, you are being placed on academic authenticity warning. Because your math looks like somebody else's math. Because my math looks like somebody else's math. Whoa. And <laughs> I'm thinking is, this could be a fault in their in their math program. You think? Yeah. I'm like, if these are like really big in-depth problems, but there's really only a few ways to solve it. And if you've been having this as the expected assessment for more than a few months, then you're going to have exhausted the different ways to explain one of these ways of solving the problem. And we're going to start having papers that look alike. Yeah, and by now you're getting really wound around yourself because you've, during those 48 hours, you've checked your phone to see where your paper is about 49 times. Probably. Yes. <laughs> and, and then. And written the fourth paper. Yes. And started on the first paper of my thesis project. Right. And so I get this email back and I'm like, okay, so. Academic authenticity warning means that my paper looked too much like another paper according to the online plagiarism check. Right. And the the online plagiarism check has before said your paper look a small percent like another person's paper, which is actually yours. You know, you are allowed up to 30% match because they expect things like this to happen where someone's math is like someone else's math. I think they need more than 30% with their math, but that's just me and I'm not the math person, so. Well, here's the other thing. I have submitted papers for different teaching courses where it says, you know, explain the classroom environment and then explain the content you're teaching and explain the procedures you'll use to teach it. My classroom environment hasn't changed. I just copied and pasted the paragraph from the last lesson plan paper. And then they'll say, oh, this entire paragraph looks like this entire paragraph of someone else's paper. And I'm like, no, it's not someone else's. It's yours. You know, when it says things like I have a giant stuffed gorilla in the front of my classroom named Betsy that we playfully refer to as the audience of student discussion, how many other teachers are going to have a giant stuffed gorilla named Betsy in the front of their classroom? I don't even have a giant stuffed gorilla named Betsy. I put that in there to amuse myself. Right. So you you have to change the gorilla to a fish and change its name to, I don't know. I I don't know either. But, you know, these kind of things have never been a problem before. Mm -hmm. And there have been pretty high levels of academic content match. I have had papers that came back with even 30 and 40% match, and they still graded it and said no problem. Because most of the graders know that math is just one of these things that 
that's just how it is. And so I emailed the academic authenticity officer. (laughs) Yes, I know. That's a good name right there. And my advisor and the course professor and the individual tech in the academic authenticity department who had emailed me the data on this paper. And I said, basically, what the fuck? (laughs) Yes, by then you were saying that a lot. (laughs) I was, but not in so many words and not to people who could potentially ruin my chance at a master's degree. Right. So, yeah, I I said it a whole lot nicer in a whole lot more um, professional language. But you said, explain this to me, please, so I can understand what's going on. And the academic authenticity tech scheduled an appointment for me. To speak to them? To speak to them. Okay. Like on the phone and gave me an opportunity if I wanted to, to have my computer dial into her computer and view her screen and see, you know, what was happening, you know, so that she could pull up the paper on the page and say, here's where it matches and here's what's wrong with it. Okay. And I tried to do it. I was dropping off the boy. They scheduled my appointment for 9 Mm a.m. on a morning that I had to drop off a small man. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of a problem. But I get on the phone with this woman and I'm trying to pull up the screen on the iPad and it won't go. And she says, well, basically it looks like you've got 60% match. And I say, well, my screen says it's a 12% match. So what happened? Mm -hmm. And the grader had pulled out like there's a big table that demonstrates one of the properties of this thing. And they pulled out the table and ran just the written content and it had a higher level of match. Mm-hmm. And I say, okay, so how do I fix that? And they, she said, well, you should talk to your professor about that. You're in school. Oh, <laughs> damn it. Graduate school gets very complicated. And so I talked to the professor about it and I email and I say, so here's my problem. And she says, well, how about instead of writing step-by-step proofs, you write them out like paragraphs, because then they'll be less likely to look like someone else's work if you're using your own words in your own sentences. And so I did. I rewrote it as paragraphs. Mm -hmm. And I submit it again, and it gets picked up for grading. You know, it's in the queue, 200 or so pages, and it takes a day and a half. 200 or so pages? 200 or so other papers in the queue. Okay. And it gets picked up for grading, and then it gets put back in the queue. And it gets picked up for grading, and it gets put back in the queue. And, and each now time, you're really like, what Oh, the my gosh. <laughs> and each time it gets put back in the queue, it's under 10. Mm-hmm. Like, it got put back once at 9 and once at, like, 4. And I'm thinking, okay, so this is probably, like, academic authenticity department double-checking and triple-checking my paper mm-hmm. to make sure that it really is my work. And then they send it back again. It gets picked up for evaluation one more time, and it gets sent back for revisions with comments about what I needed to revise because my work was wrong. I had fundamentally misunderstood one of these questions. They couldn't tell you that in the first place. They could not have told me that in the first place. And the thing that strikes me now is like, if I'm going to copy somebody else's goddamn motherfucking paper, you think I'm going to copy one that had the wrong fucking answer? Yeah. And somebody else is wrong too then. Yeah, you know. (laughs) Your, Your incorrect work is plagiarizing. (laughs) It was, apparently. (laughs) And so, you know, I had misunderstood the question, and 
okay, my work needs revision. That I understand. You want to tell me that I did it wrong? I'm totally okay with having done it wrong. That's part of grad school. You're supposed to be learning stuff. Yeah. Oh, I learned. I fixed it. I resubmitted it. They said, okay, now you're on the right track, but you don't have enough detail. But in the meantime, you've submitted paper number three. Oh, so paper number three had already been graded and approved before paper number two even finished this first run of plagiarism accusations. And paper number four? And paper number four has been submitted at this time and is also in the queue waiting to be graded. Right. So number Along one- Along with the first paper of my thesis project. Number one is done. Number two is going around and around. Number three, three is, is done. done. Number four is done. Like I said, I have the first fifth, the third fifth, and the fourth fifth of this project. Right. The second fifth does not want to go. <laughs> they send it back and say, okay, now you at least seem to understand what you're supposed to be doing, but you don't have enough detail about how you did it for us to really believe that you understand what you're doing. <laughs> I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Uh, boy, at this point, you're ready to go back to work, aren't you? Oh. Almost. The only thing keeping me going at this point is the fact that I really need to get the hell away from the kindergartners. Which is the whole purpose of the yes, it is. project. Yes, it is. Because music positions in secondary are almost all part-time positions, and I can't take a part-time position, so I need a second certification to fill out the rest of my schedule. Hence, mm -hmm. the math degree. Mm -hmm. So I finally got the paper approved this morning. No way. They finally passed it. And I'm reading the comments as they, you know, put comments every time they reassess the paper. And the comments that they put on the one part that I had needed more detail on was, please note that this wording does not adequately demonstrate the rationale for this step, but they still passed my paper. And you're thinking- And I'm thinking, for fuck's sake, either I know my stuff or I don't. If it's wrong, then don't pass me. And if it's All these other right, reasons then they didn't. why you need to tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should write the wording for the explanation to the solution as if you were explaining it to the number one child, which is usually always quite thorough. Well, see, the thing is, there's really one approach that they're looking for. And when it comes to these problems, I can explain them in 12 different ways to help 12 different kids understand it. I can make it an analogy to banicula, or I can make it a step-by-step -step logical process, or I can make it a demonstration of music rhythms, or I can make it uh, anything you like. But there is one particular way that they are looking for me to explain it. And all the other things, they'll tell me, nope, that's not right. Nope, that's not right. Nope, that's not right. What do they want? They wanted a little bit more detail, but they didn't really because they passed my paper. Right. <laughs> and so at this point, I'm thinking, oh, can I just be done now? Haven't I done enough work? No. Sorry. No. And so I have started also then my thesis project, which is supposed to be completed in a 9 to 12 math classroom. And have we talked about this at all? I don't know. Because I did not expect to do my thesis project this term. I expected to start it in January. Yes, it's not January. It is not January. And this is still fall. This is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. You're welcome. <laughs>
The program I am in is competency-based. If you can prove that you know the thing, then you don't have to sit in a class to learn the thing. Okay. And I passed my Praxis exam in math, which is the National Teacher College examination to prove you know your stuff, basically. Mm -hmm. If you get a failing grade on this test, then they think you're not smart enough at math to be a math teacher, which I think is a fair assessment. Okay. And they have similar assessments for English and reading and writing and science and all the different brands of science and all the different brands of literature and all the different brands of social studies, history, etc. They have one for music. I passed it. Mm-hmm. ages ago. So when I passed this math exam and my scores got sent to the university, the university said, oh, so you know this content and this content, we can give you credit for those. Okay. And I'm thinking, oh, great, cool. That That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And they said, that means that your credits for the next upcoming term are not enough for a full load of classes. Oh. And so we need to pull credits from semester four into semester three. The only credit that was left at that point was the thesis project. Ta-da! You get credit for what you already know, and I have to do more. <laughs> Graduate school. Damn it. <laughs> and because I had expected to do my thesis in January, I had expected to have enough coursework credit to get a math certification in my state to start teaching in a math classroom in January and then do my thesis in my own classroom that I was hired on a contract to teach in. That would be very practical. That would be very practical. But in the meanwhile, I am contracted in an elementary school music classroom. Yes. At which I am expected to uh, be present from 9 a.m. until 4 p.m. every single day. Yes. Although technically it's 8.30 to 3.30, although 9 to 4 is the adjustment that I got my principal to give me a half hour of flex as long as I'm there for all of my students because now I get to go to a high school at 7.45! (laughs) in the morning and have a class from 745 to 830 where I am basically being a TA, an unpaid intern in this class, one hour a day to teach for free. Yes. So I can get my master's thesis done. I love the way night people always tell you 745 in the morning. Like it's this (laughs) horrifying thing they have to highlight. It is. (laughs) <laughs> I'm I'm used to being at my school somewhere between 7.45 and 8.15 in the morning. Yes. Because it takes me from then until 9 o'clock to become fully mentally and emotionally present in my classroom. Fortunately, the high school is on the way to your other school, but... But that means that I get done at the high school at 8.30 and I have to jet across town, which admittedly is a fairly small town. It's not like... You know, L.A. traffic going nowhere. five miles will take you an hour. Mm-hmm. No, going this five miles will take me maybe 20 minutes and only because it's just before nine. And so it's the closest thing we have to a rush hour. Right. But I still have to. Also known as people getting in the way because I can't remember what they were doing. Also known as people in the West are so used to having all the space to spread out everywhere that they forget that roads are narrow and we have to share them. Yeah. So hopefully... That will last until December, and hopefully I will get my fifth fifth of my last academic course done. And now two of my seven papers for my thesis project have been approved. They're the planning 
documents. The two of seven are not part of the fifths because that's two of seven. No, and seven of nine is definitely not in my classes. (laughs) (laughs) That would make life a whole lot nicer, I bet. (laughs) Maybe. You know. Yeah. Anyway, that costume she had to wear, like she couldn't use the bathroom all day because it was so horrible. That's terrible. I know. The boning and the corset and the way that the onesie uniform was all like, no. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh. Something about math. (laughs) Hopefully I will be done soon. I have one-fifth of an academic course and five-sevenths of a thesis project to complete, and my planning has all been approved. Although the high school doesn't have taco trucks. Well, there's a deficit right there. The high school's in the white kids' neighborhood. Oh. There are no taco trucks up here. Well, maybe we'll get that upgraded after the election. Yes, please. (laughs) I would dig a taco truck on every corner. That would make me so happy. Yeah, that would be helpful. So, anyway. Okay. Is that it? Well, for the moment, it might be. We hope so. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. We'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening! something from the last semester into the next semester. The last semester, the previous semester, the last no, semester, the, the last the, one that's the, going to happen. The last one that will happen. The okay. furthest in the future semester, we need to pull credits from the furthest out semester into the upcoming semester. We need to pull credits from semester four into semester three. Okay. And, and thanks for using your math. <laughs> <laughs> uh, glad to help. <laughs>